0: This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. You know what? I'm in a good mood. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. This She-Hulk finale was hands down my favorite finale of all of Disney plus Marvel shows. I said it. I meant it and I ain't changing in my Nene Leak's voice. It is Bravo Con weekend after all. Y'all, I love this finale. It stayed true to the She-Hulk comics. It gave us everything we needed for this ending. It didn't try to overstage it by bringing in some, you know, like literally bring in the Hulk to like save the day. No, they let Jen do her thing. They gave her the perfect ending. It was great. We don't see these shows stick the landing too often. Just saying. But I think this one hit the nail on the head. Let's talk about it. It's your bonus episode of Reality and Comics 2. Let's do it. That's right. You're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick. everybody. How's your week been? Mine's been, you know what? It hasn't been as bad because I'm on a mini vacation. Well, I haven't been on this week, but as of the day that this is out, I'm on a mini vacation and I don't go back to work until Tuesday. But when I go back, I have an in-office day, which I'm not looking forward to. You know, I'm a staunch, a staunch, (laughs) staunch opponent to going back into office. I only like to work remotely, but it's just one day. We got to do like headshots and uh, we got to, you know, have this meeting. They're going to give us lunch, all this kind of stuff. Then we go back home. But I have a feeling they're going to start announcing like that we got to come back into work. Oh God, what does this mean for my content? I don't know. I don't know how often I'll be able to do a podcast. Oh, it'd be awful. But look, we're not going to think about that right now. We're going to move on to happier things, okay? We're just going to stop. We're not talking about it. We're just going to talk about the happier things, okay? Did y'all watch House of Dragon this week? Of course you did. I know you did. If you follow me wherever I go, which I hope all of you do, then you know that me and Emily on She Speaks Bravo, you know we record almost every single week and we talk about a certain show. So we either talk about uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is ended, or right now we're currently talking about the Real Housewives of Potomac each week. So follow us over there if you're not already listening. But we're both obsessed with House of the Dragon, So we literally... Started off the episode with almost an hour-long conversation about House of the Dragon first before we even got into Potomac. It was amazing. It probably won't be that long going forward. There are only two episodes left, and we like covered the entire season, but we loved it. Oh, my God. It's so good. This past episode, I loved everything about it. Viser- the actor that plays Viserys, uh Patty Constantine, he is absolutely going to win an Emmy for this part. Now, y'all know the Game of Thrones actors used to rack up the show. They would get like 30 nominations every season. The actors would all get nominated. See, I think that's why it was hard for them winning other than Tyrion Lannister, because Peter Dinklage, I guess I should say, but child, it's hard for them to win because I think they'd be splitting the damn vote so much that it usually goes to another actor. But if Patty is in that category, he got it. I think, I don't know who else on the show. I personally, I love Olivia Cook playing Allison. I love her in that role. I hope she gets recognition as well. I'm hoping for that. I think Emma D'Arcy is amazing. So I hope she gets some recognition as well. Uh, Matt Smith, he's fantastic. I wonder if he'll get some recognition. It's all just great. It's just such a good show. I hope y'all are watching. Only two episodes left. I'm going to have to watch it late. This upcoming, I'm gonna miss a lot this weekend. The Cowboys play the Indians, which I know y'all don't care about, but Cowboys play the Indians It's a division game. I won't, I'll be on a plane headed back to Memphis, so I won't be able to watch it. But you know I'm gonna, Lord, I'm just gonna pray for the best. I'm just gonna you know get on that plane the whole time the game is on. I'm just go I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna say Lord, Lord will say, hmm. I'm gonna say Lord, please let them win. That's my team. The Cowboys, that is, y'all know they're not the damn Eagles. I say, Lord, please let them win. I really need them to win this game. Dak is still out. Hopefully, this is his last game out. Even though I will say, you know, little redhead, he's he's doing okay. Look, uh, Cooper, he's he's doing okay. Cooper Rush, I like him. He's doing good enough. It's really our defense that is really helping us win these games right now because they are uh, determined, okay? So I just want Dak to come back. All the pieces have falling into place and I think we'll be a real contender team this year. I said it every year and then I get my hopes dashed and oh boy, it, 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 uh, you know what? It doesn't matter. It does not damn matter. I'm just rambling at this point. Uh House of Dragon, everything. You know what else I've been? Okay, this is so, 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 so random and it probably doesn't sound like anything y'all would even think that I watch but I love TV shows that like Every week is something different. Like I love The Good Doctor, and that just started back recently. I love like 911 and 911 Lone Star, where you know like the same cast. They got their like through storylines, but they also like deal with different people and scenarios every single episode. I love that. That's my kind of TV. I you know I watch everything, but I love that kind of TV. I randomly started binging The Rookie. It's on Hulu. It comes on Fox or NBC. I don't know what channel they come on regularly, but I watch on Hulu. I'm still in first season, but like I started it like two days ago and I'm almost finished with season one. It's twenty episodes in the season. I've just been kind of obsessed. I don't know, but it's one of those kind of shows. It's one of the ones where you put it on, they got the through storylines, and every episode, Oh my god, you gotta go save them. No, you a rookie, you gotta train. I like the drama. I don't know. I like it. It's it's, it's very you know. It, it 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 calms me. I need to be calm nowadays. Who the fuck doesn't need to be calm nowadays? I don't know. But I'm watching that fifth season just started. So I still got three more seasons to binge, and I couldn't be happier. Oh, <sighs> okay. I'm very excited. You know what? Let's get into the She Hulk finale because this finale. It literally, I didn't expect it to go this way. I really thought it was gonna just follow the formula. We get a villain, we get a big fight, the heroine wins, the end. They, this was a fantastic way of doing this finale. It really stayed true to the comics. It was really like, you know, Early She-Hulk didn't break the fourth wall a lot, but I think around the 80s is when she started like really kind of, you know, breaking, and it really kind of became her signature. She did it before Dare, uh, Deadpool did. So for all y'all trying to act like she copying, get your facts straight, read a comic, bitch. But I'm I'm really, I, I loved the ending. I thought it was fantastic. I just really, everything from the short, like it, it's, it was paced great, I felt. It was, like, intentionally chaotic, so we knew, like, something was, we we're like, what the fuck is going on? So, like, they literally made us all say that, you know, in unison, and then cut away. It was it was just all good. You know what? Let's just jump into it, because I got some things to say, okay? The finale opens up with the standard Marvel intro, but... It's get interrupted when we get this remake of the 1970s Incredible Hulk TV show intro. I love it. You won't like me when I'm angry. (laughs) This is really significant because Bruce's story and Jen's story are honestly polar opposites. He had no control over his rage and it transformed him. But Jen can like, you know, she can transform it at will. And she pretty much has control over her anger She's a woman after all, and she has to walk around like catering her thoughts and feelings to men around her. So it's almost second nature at this point. But now she's had one incident and we're supposed to just like view her as this like threat to society, how they viewed Hulk in the earlier years. I love that the thing that makes her angry in this trailer is that she couldn't change a tire. But I also love that they made the She-Hulk in this opening look incredibly buff. It was a different actress too. Another callback to the original intro. And almost just... And almost looked like Hulk in a wig, honestly. Like, it was a buff, buff motherfucker, okay? Which I'm sure is them letting people know that we know y'all were gonna have an issue with the way She-Hulk looked either way. Either she was gonna be too muscular or not muscular enough, which, of course, both of we things we've heard online. Once this retro opening ends, we cut to Jan and Emile Blonsky's old, like, cryo cell. Mallory, Nikki, and Pug, they come to visit her. She asked if they were able to get in touch with Bruce, and Pug says, Look, I left the man several messages, but he won't return my calls, okay? See, Bruce too busy making baby number two on the car, but hopefully that's a movie for another day. <laughs> when Mallory begins to talk about like all the legalities with Jen, Jen is so damn focused on taking down the people that did this to her. Look, Mallory, like, uh-uh, sir. You can't be angry because Jen's like, no, she's trying to justify her anger. Mal's like, no, you you can't be angry. You're not like everybody else. Mal does tell her, however, that they've offered her a plea deal, and it turns out to be very similar to the one that they offered Emil Blonsky. Yikes. Poetic uh, non-justice? I don't know. And no Duke Brace in sight. She has to agree to wear an inhibitor and never turn into the savage She-Hulk ever again. She puts it on and is released, and everything that follows is just, uh it's the saddest thing in the world, the saddest shit ever. Obviously, she can't work at a job anymore because she was the head of the superhero law division. She can't turn to She-Hulk anymore, so she ain't got no damn job. She's harassed by the na- uh, the news reporters, the neighbors. She has to move out of her house because, duh, she has no job. It's just, oh, poor Jenny from the block. She ends up moving back in with her parents And I love that in her old room, there's a legally blonde poster right on the back of the door. Number one, taste. Number two, Elle Woods is that girl, okay? Elle Woods is that bitch, okay? I mean, if you're not going to aspire to be, you know, Gloria Steinem or Annalise Keaton or, you know, Olivia Pope, then why not Elle Woods, okay? Plus that needle dick loser, uh, what was his name, Warren, he basically is like the equivalent of recording somebody having sex anyway, ugh. Nikki comes over one night and they're trying to figure out who is behind Intelligentsia. It's owned by a shell company and the jurisdiction is outside of the United States and all that jazz. Nikki says someone is definitely going to be dumb enough to spill some tea, a little too much tea. And this is when the thing her mom comes in the room and she kind of interrupts them and she shows Nikki an old college video of Jen dancing and twerking and dutty whining and pussy popping and uh, on a handstand doing all that to some little John. Little did we know this is going to come in handy because Nikki asked her mom to send her the video. Why? You'll find out later. But we also find out that Dennis Dweeb-ass, the dude from the earlier episodes, the one that thought he was actually dating the real Megan Thee Stallion, child, is doing interviews and telling folks that him and Jen dated and that she had a bad attitude. Look, they do anything for clout. That's what Offset and Cardi B said. Y'all ain't never lied. Well, y'all be lying a lot, but y'all ain't lied this time, okay? Jen feels absolutely defeated. And this is when she goes up to her room and starts talking to us, the viewing audience, about how bad shit has gotten, and asks if this is really what we, <laughs> the viewing audience, wants. I love that that old school narrator earlier, you know, from earlier in the episode during the intro. He interrupts and tries to start narrating this, and she's like, uh-huh, "Uh huh, eh, uh uh, eh, we're not doing that. We're not off the rails like that yet, okay?" <laughs> she reaches out to the Hulk. Still no answer. She reaches out to Emil Blonsky because she's like, okay, who the fuck else can I reach out to? Who would understand my plight? Who would understand it? She reached out to him, no answer. But we knew this was going to happen because earlier in the episodes, uh, what, episode seven, when she's at the retreat, she literally had to walk all over the compound and stand in one spot just to get a signal. So obviously, you're not going to reach him. After all, their situations are like basically the exact same. So. That's why she wants to reach out to him. If she can't get in touch with Hulk. No answer. So she's like, "Look, fuck it. He told me to come anytime. So I'm just gonna come for a mental health break for a couple of days, baby." She packed her bag and she get the fuck like Tokyo Tony said. Okay. Meanwhile, Nikki is at the office and uses that video of Jen. You know that her mom sent her. She uses that and uploads it to Intelligentsia hoping that someone will trust her enough to, like, give her some information or give her a lead, like, something. One of those scumbags, you know, letting her know who's actually behind the website. Child, the actual Hulk King the same guy that's been taunting her all season, reaches out to her immediately and invites her to the bro-down, what I call it, a.k.a. the armchair internet troll scumbag slut bucky-bass bitches party, and she realizes she's gonna need Pug's help to get all of this handled. Because, duh, bro-down, you're gonna need a bro. Jen arrives at Emil Blonsky's compound, commune, whatever the hell you wanna call it, that creepy-ass cult-like place, And is greeted by the same guy that tried to stab her in the alleyway, but who she made up with at the retreat, okay? Y'all know who I'm talking about, the wrecking crew guy. He sets her up in a room, but, like, what we don't know is on the opposite side of the commune, Nikki is coaching Pug on how to be a toxic-ass internet man and sends him inside to the Intelligentsia Mixer, I guess what you call it. I want to call it a woman's empowerment brunch, because y'all know they're good for them, but... There ain't no women in sight, so. But we hear some of the guys inside saying stuff like, why does there need to be a She-Hulk? hawk? is no a he hawk. And Lady Thor, she sucks, right? Obviously, if you haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder, one, is streaming on Disney+, Plus, so go watch it. But two, they're referring to Jane Foster, a.k.a. Natalie Portman's character, who took up the Thor moniker in the new movie. As Pug is blending in, child... He up there talking to the people and motherfucking Todd turns around and recognizes his voice. Of course, Todd is the bad guy of this story, child. I've been telling y'all I don't trust his raggedy ass. And now we know why. Though with Todd being the, you know, the guy who created Intelligentsia, which we learn in this scene, obviously the organization has like kind of been retconned in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, turning into like more of a I want to say kind of like an Infowars type website instead of like the supervillain group that I've described to you in past episodes though you could argue let me stick with me you could argue that men who record women and do this whole revenge porn thing online are the ultimate supervillain but I'm gonna move on I love that when Todd is hyping pug up he says and he's hot. And another dude's like, yeah, I'd smash it, child. <laughs> I love the whole smashing theme throughout this entire series. Obviously referring to Hulk Smash, she Hulk Smash, all of that. So I fucks with it. This is when we get this whole like conversation led by Todd saying that Jen didn't earn her powers, which tracks with the logic of the group of men that like is being critiqued on this show. Because even most of the male superheroes get their powers accidentally, or if they have a mutation, oh, that was good, I'm a, (laughs) oh shit, hurt my throat though, but you know what I mean, like Spider-Man, bit by a radioactive uh, spider, why couldn't I think of the (laughs) animal, why couldn't I think of the damn animal, his name is Spider-Man, Uh, what else, Captain Hulk, I guess, I mean, not Captain Hulk, Captain America, I guess that's, you know, intentional, but you go down the list. Bruce Banner, he didn't mean to get them damn powers. He experimenting and shit. Abomination, he was trying some shit. It went wrong. You know, a lot of people, when you think about it, didn't go right, okay? Then when you think about a lot of the other ones, they ain't even got superpowers. They just trying to hang out with the folk, but we gonna leave y'all alone, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Nikki tells Pug to keep him talking, and this is when he gets to like admitting that he's actually hulking. Time for the main event of the evening. Todd is giving a speech and saying how proud he is of all the horrible ass treatment they've given to Jen, essentially taking credit for almost everything that's happened to her, you know, at that gala, especially that led to her arrest. We cut back to the kitchen and Jen really wants to talk to Emil. So the alleyway guy, the wrecker, (laughs) tells her that he's at a private event that's being held on the compound. Now we find out why Emil had that damn ankle monitor loosened earlier in the season. He's been taking it on and off, turning into the abomination and giving these damn motivational speeches at private, different like events on his damn compound. He's the damn guest speaker for the damn intelligentsia meeting. ain't that some shit? You can tell by his speech, though. This is really kind of like a blanket speech that he uses to like cover whatever group comes there. You know, kind of though, look at you guys. I heard you got goals to accomplish. You got to do this, that kind of shit. So maybe he actually is informed. It doesn't seem like he's actually a villain anymore. This is when Jen walks in and she can't believe her eyes. But Jen still doesn't recognize what's going on. She's just shocked by the fact that he's been turning into abomination after she stuck her neck out there for him. He explains that, you know, this is his way of making profits and nothing more. Ain't nothing else, sis. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. It starts getting more and more chaotic as the scene goes on because Nikki and Pug run in at one point And they tell her that, yeah, and all these guys are intelligentsia. And then that damn Todd, he the one that made the site. Todd jumps up. He tells her that the dude that ghosted her, that slept with her and recorded her and all that kind of stuff. He was the one that stole the blood so that he can give it to Todd and then he could earn, he could become a Hulk too because in Todd's mind, he earned those superpowers unlike Jen, child. Jen is so damn confused by what's happening and she doesn't think it's gonna work, but it actually does. You can tell Jen is talking to the audience, like the viewing audience more because actually maybe the showrunners because she really can't believe that this kind of turn is happening in the episode. If all of this ain't bad enough, Titania breaks through another damn wall Just to join in and fight And now we know we've gone completely off the walls Nikki says Damn does this bitch ever use a door <laughs> Tell you When you think about it Titania really is the Kool-Aid man Like damn But child if this isn't overwhelming enough The damn Hulk drops in from nowhere Brewston brought his ass All the way from uh I don't know if he tripped on Sakaar and rolled his ass All the way back up and wound up on earth But I don't know but he ready to fight too Jen can't figure out what's going on, and she literally turns to the camera in true comic book Jen Walters form and asks if this is working for us, the viewing audience. Suddenly, I think this is supposed to emulate like the user or the viewer watching the show being so uninterested by all this shit going on that they change the or you know they get out of this episode because the screen cuts back to like the Marvel landing page on Disney Plus. Child, apparently this was an attempt to, you know, stop her from going off script. I don't know. I don't know if it was that or, you know, it's supposed to be like us turn the screen, but whatever. Jen historically goes off script, so she proceeds in the damn way. She breaks that inhibitor. She turns into She-Hulk. She bursts out of her She-Hulk box on the Marvel landing page and then decides to bust through the Shang-Chi Marvel assembled selection to get to the production lot. I know the fuck that's right. Pause. Side note. Do you think it's telling us something that she went through that particular box? Like we've gotten a long appearance on the show. And hell, he's even, you know, he was in Shang-Chi. But he was even in this damn episode in the post credit scene. But we'll get to that later. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about this a little too much because the assembled episodes, you know, those are the ones where we get to see like the behind the scenes footage of how the show is made. They interview the actors. We get to see the stunts, the stunt people, uh, the thought process with the writing, all of that. So it makes the most sense that she jumped through an assembled like, you know, title. But I was wondering if the fact that she jumped through the Shang-Chi one meant anything. Maybe that's where we're going to see her next. I don't know, but... I'm intrigued. She's on set and she walks out to like the Disney Hollywood lot and she sees someone from the She-Hulk production set and child, he coming out the door and she let herself right in. She goes into the production room where by the way, if you pay close attention, you see Jessica Gow, who's a showrunner for She-Hulk. I love watching her interviews. She she gives good chat, first of all. I watched one today and she, she talked about everything. I want to talk about what she said about the actual like Robot that we'll get to in a minute, but everything. Jen rants to the uh, to them, the showrunners and the writers and everyone in the room, about how this is so predictable and a terrible ending. But the writers argue that, quote unquote, this is what Kevin wants. Obviously, you know, we think they mean the real Kevin Feige, the genius behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But if you have your closed caption on, like I always do you'll see it spelled K.E.V.I.N, an acronym. She's like, well, I want to talk to K-E-V-I-N, Kevin. And we they all start laughing. Look, y'all know that man is just unattainable as fuck. This is kind of a hidden message to us because we all know what they mean while they're laughing. You know, we all just... We all just want to talk to Kevin Feige, especially us lowly podcasters who just want to talk to him for 15 minutes. That's all. Just 15 minutes. Let me pick your brain. Let me give you some ideas. Let me tell you who I want. You know, I do, we just want to talk to you, Kevin. That's all. We just want to talk to you. He won't talk to us, but that's okay. She-Hulk goes looking for Kevin, and she has to get past the security and the secretary who makes her sound like the world's longest NDA, which, of course, is a standard Marvel NDA because... Once you join this universe, you ask better not say shit or I got rifles at your daughter's school. Don't play, okay? I'm just saying. She starts whooping them, she just passed him, starts whooping them security guards' asses with Lotto playing in the background, by the way. What's really funny about this, which has nothing to do with She-Hulk, but what's really funny to me about this is that everyone was up in arms about Lotto winning best rap song of the year at the BT Hip Hop Awards just a few weeks ago. Especially people that love Kodak Black, Super Gremlin, but Lotto's big energy is literally in the background of a Marvel show. Sis is winning, okay? Haters, you gotta stay mad, okay? He didn't win, it's okay. Now y'all the ones that's always talking about, the war shows don't matter, BET ain't for us, yada, 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 and now y'all mad somebody didn't win. Chad, can y'all make up y'all damn mind? I can't keep up with y'all fake woke asses, but that's a story for another day. She makes it into the room where there are screens everywhere and all of the Marvel shows and movies are playing and dropping in from the ceiling is a robot that kind of puts me in the mind of one, the the little robot from Wally. I I don't know if y'all remember that, but also puts me in the mind of like one of those rolling droids from the Star Wars movies, if y'all know what those are. And the design obviously is, is just perfect for this episode because it looks like it's wearing like a little hat which we all know are Kevin Feige's signature. He has one of those for every single MCU property that there is. I love it. Turns out, Kevin stands for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. I know the fuck that's right. What I want to say about Jessica Gao was this hat apparently was a big point of contention. He literally Kevin Feige was letting them run amok. He let them do everything they wanted, like all kinds of stuff. But the one thing he had pushback back on, he was like, a robot doesn't need to wear a hat. That's so silly. And they like, of all the shit that we've said in this meeting, that's what you got a problem with. You don't want to wear a hat. And so they literally, she was like, I will quit if he can't wear a hat. And then Kevin, listen, Kevin Feige, he pulled a damn Shawnee O'Neal on her ass. He said, okay, well, I thank you for your services and we'll see you later. Child, somebody in the room had to say, you know what? Why don't we just make a design on the robot and make it look like a hat? It don't have to be an actual hat. And it's just that's exactly what they did. I didn't pay attention to it. I saw in the first episode, I was like, oh, he's wearing a hat. But then after I saw the interview and I went back, it's not a hat. It's just a design on the damn robot. I love that. I love stuff like that. You know, I'm just saying he agrees to talk to her but says that she must turn back into Jennifer instead of She-Hulk because her being in that form is too damn expensive. Child, y'all know how much CGI costs nowadays. He even says, (laughs) this is my favorite part, he says that the visual effects team has already moved on to another project. And if you listen closely, you hear the Black Panther signature music play for about two seconds. See, this is perfect in so many ways, mainly because we know that after She-Hulk, we're about to end phase four with Wakanda forever, as Todd says. <laughs> so they've literally moved on to Wakanda, okay? I love that. I love the conversation that follows too because he says he's an AI responsible for all of these quote-unquote near-perfect projects, but he acknowledges that, you know, some are better than others, but he's gonna leave that up for the internet to debate, bitch. Bitch. I know the fuck that's right, because debating is what the fuck they don't mind doing on Twitter, on Instagram, on any damn platform they can find, okay? They just love to complain and then show up to the next movie and spend a million dollars, child. Bye. They have a quick little debate about whose show it is, because Jen wants to, you know, to change the ending. And if you examine it closely, it feels to me at least that they're obviously talking about... This, they're using like a metaphor to talk about one of those hot button issues in the comic book community, which is writers and creators receiving fair credit for all of their properties being turned into billion dollar movies, and them feeling like they're not getting paid, you know, equally enough. Jen argues, "It's my show," and Kevin's like, "Uh, <laughs> it's Kevin's show." Okay, don't play that, sis. You don't want to do that. She says, "Well, regardless of creative ownership, that's the line that makes me think that's what they're talking about." She wants to give her closing arguments since it's a legal comedy. I love that if you look around, though, I just loved all the little details in the show. I love that if you look around, you see some important comic book covers in that room. Like you see one of the chic hulk covers. You see America Chavez's like iconic comic book cover who, you know, we all know from Multiverse of Madness now. Uh, the Scarlet Witches solo run. There's some Daredevil comics. Uh, one of the Infinity Gauntlet comics too. See, I just read this, like reread this. I think it's number four that you can see that issue is in there. You know, uh, you can see like a Captain America, Sam Wilson comic, a Doctor Strange comic. It's a whole lot. You just got to pay attention and look at them. It's, see that? That's how you know I'm a comic book geek because I can just recognize the covers automatically. I love that though. Uh, Chad, what happened? Oh, you know what? It, I love how they're just like, completely obliterating the fourth wall in this scene. Because, you know, Jen breaks the fourth wall all the time. But this is like the biggest fourth wall break in Marvel Cinematic Universe history, obviously. I was about to say movie history, but I won't go that damn far, okay? Uh Jen gives a big speech about how people criticize the MCU for ending all the same way and saying that they don't have to do that. Jen says at the crux of her story is her life falling apart right as she's about to find the balance between Jen and She-Hulk. Kevin is intrigued and asks what ending she pro well, you know, what ending she wants to propose. And Jen says the following. Number one, Todd don't need no damn superpowers. He's already a villain. He don't need the powers, okay? Number two bruce doesn't need to return to save the day but i love that kevin interrupts her and says that bruce is needed there because he needs to explain where he's been and then set up but he doesn't get to finish because she interrupts him child we about to get a damn world war hulk movie world war hulk movie world war world war world war War hulk movie (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. If you, I've mentioned World War Hulk on this podcast before, but it's an amazing comic book run where the Hulk is sent to Sakaar. Listen, just read it, okay? Because I've told y'all this entire plot previously, but listen, child, some of the main plot points happened in this episode, but you didn't hear that from me. Three, the abomination needs to hold himself accountable. Four, she wants all of this to happen during the daytime. See, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jen. See, she must have been watching a little bit too much uh, House of the Dragon too because she can't see what the hell going on just like we can not because every time a night scene happens, the moon just mysteriously disappears. We staring at a damn black scene. We can't even see uncle and uh, niece getting it on. It's it's, it's real weird. Let us see them getting it on, okay? Jesus. And number five, she wouldn't mind a daredevil appearance. I know the fuck. That's right. The best part of this section is when Jen just like starts rambling because she, unlike most people, actually has Kevin Feige's ear for a minute. Okay, (laughs) she asked him about all the daddy issues in the MCU, which we've all wondered about. We've all had these conversations. Iron Man, daddy issues, Thor, daddy issues, Loki, daddy issues, Star-Lord, daddy issues, kind of T'Challa daddy issues cause he couldn't save his daddy so we go we go count that under daddy issues too all the daddy issues but then she asked when are we getting the S yes, men yes god Jen okay you better ask what the people wanna know he basically said I can't tell you that though I know that's some bullshit and then he basically told her ass to get to stepping just like Martin told Pam okay she rejoins the regular scheduled stories And all of the changes have been made. It's daytime and and Todd and the other trash boxes are getting arrested. Titania is there recording and, you know, can't wait for Todd to get murdered by Jen. But she simply walks up to him and just tells him she's going to sue him. Child, Daredevil drops in from the sky, which I honestly was not expecting to get him two episodes in a row. I know Charlie Cox loves playing Daredevil so much, and I'm so happy to see him back in the role, I'm so happy to see him in the MCU, y'all just don't know, I watched a random, okay, there was an AMC Plus show that I watched, I cannot remember the name of it, but I loved it, and had Charlie Cox, it's fairly new, I think they're doing a season two, I've been waiting on it, I don't know when it's coming, but he was the main star on there, and I just, like, I watched it because of him, like, I've been missing my Matt Murdock, okay, Child, he dropped in, and listen, all, it's just everything we needed, okay? It warmed my spirit. Emil is headed back to prison for transforming into abomination, and there we go. We got our ending. We cut to Jen's family's house, and the family's having a cookout. I'm sure there's plenty of raisins in that potato salad, but that's a story for another day. And they're all getting to know Matt Murdock a lot better, which makes me think that we're going to get a budding MCU romance here. Even though they live on different coasts, that's okay. You know, West side, East side, you know, it don't matter. Tupac and Biggie, they would have squashed it had they not, you know, that first, but anyway, child, they asking Matt everything from what's his income to well, do he want kids and all kind of shit. Hulk ends up popping up at this moment though, and this is a moment we've been waiting for. His ass says he's been on Sakar, which we basically knew, and he introduced he introduces us to the Sakar He introduces us to Scar. I can't believe, I'm like, I'm gagged. I, I assumed we would get to meet him in this show, but like, I just, I don't know. I just thought that like there would be a World War Hulk movie and we'd see him at some point, but I don't know. We got, I want a special, you know what? Now that special presentations are a thing, I would love a World War Hulk special presentation. I don't know if they're gonna put it on a big screen or if they're gonna make it a show or what, but I need to see it. I need to see some. okay? Sam, a little something, some. I need to see it. I would, I would love to see it, okay? Now, look, y'all remember earlier in the season, I told y'all all about Scar, okay? So if you don't remember, go back, download the episode again, <laughs> okay? And check it out, because I told y'all all about this. They played Missy Elliott while the credits were rolling. It was all good shit, okay? Fantastic finale. And yes, we got a post credit scene like we always do, except with Werewolf by Night. Abomination is taken to Comertage, by Wong, broken out of his jail cell yet again, but this time it seems permanent because he asked him about the Wi Fi code, the guest room, all this kind of stuff. So, what does this mean for the MCU people? I don't know. I actually love that he asked Wong about the Wi Fi though, because that's kind of calling back to their first Doctor Strange movie. Remember, uh, Baron Mordo gave Stephen, like, a, I think it was a post it note and it has something written on it. And Stephen's like, What is this? And he was like, The Wi Fi password. We're not savages. Kind of called back to that, so I I do love that. I I just I really dug She-Hulk. I'm ready to see more of her. I love the finale. It didn't take itself too seriously. It was just a fun week to week comedy. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I dug it a lot. people gotta remember y'all were saying for so long that the MCU is getting repetitive. Same thing, and now they give y'all see the problem was. Y'all want them to give y'all different content, but keep it to white men. That's what the hell y'all wanted. Y'all want the Avengers to keep looking like it did with them original six. Five white damn white men and one white woman. That's what you wanted. But now you're getting people of color. You're getting different religions, creeds, background. You're getting some everything. And now all of a sudden, this different context is a problem. Y'all intelligentsia asses, child. Anyway, as I do always, I ask for y'all for some of your responses. This time, I just straight up asked you, what did you think of the She-Hulk finale? I needed to know. And y'all gave me a myriad of answers, okay? So let's let's go through just a couple of them, all right? Now keep in mind, I'm somebody that loves the comics, so it 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 really stuck the landing for me. I love how different it was. But we got a myriad, like kind of a, a mixed bag of comments here. So someone said I loved it. I honestly can't wait until next season. Also, I'm so glad it wasn't a meal because you remember last week I I thought that, too. I was like, okay, a meal might be our bad guy because we ain't we definitely ain't about to introduce a new villain at this point. And I thought Todd was working for his ass, but Todd was Todd was the villain. So there we go. Uh, We have someone say loved it, but I wish we were able to have seen the big fight before the twist. Okay, fair criticism. I feel that. Uh, somebody asked, referring to last episode, why she didn't take the bad guy's mask off. Child, I guess some people were pointing guns at her so fast she didn't have time. I don't know. Uh, someone said the finale was really good, but the season overall was lackluster for me. We've heard that a lot too. Some people didn't like it really until Daredevil came in. Some, uh, thought it was up and down, up and down. So, you know, uh, some said love how... They directly address those quote unquote fans and their usual criticisms by literally writing her own ending. Perfect. Right. I love it. Uh, Somebody said, yeah, but what did we go full 90s camp? I was let down, but I liked it, too. Listen, I have mixed emotions about most things, so it's okay. All right. Uh, Someone said very underwhelming. Episode eight could have been the finale. Okay, so you thought that if they would have ended it after the Daredevil romance and kind of stopped before the gala stuff, it would have been a better ending. Okay, I actually loved, you know, I thought they did that pretty well because I thought that, you know, last season, she, you know, last episode, she was like, okay, this is the perfect ending. What are we still doing? Why are y'all still here? And then Nikki comes in for the gala and they basically set up this last episode. I like that. I didn't mind it at all. Whew, y'all, y'all got me damn tired. Okay. Listen, I need to go finish packing. I'm hitting the road Well, I ain't hitting no damn road. I'm hitting the road to go to the damn airport, 20 minutes away from my house. (laughs) And then I'm getting on a plane. So I'm hitting the sky, but I still got to go. Okay. Few housekeeping things. Just so y'all know, Monday's usual episode might be out on Tuesday. I won't be near my stuff. I won't be able to do my editing and all like that. Plus My intention, I want to kind of give y'all a different episode on Monday. So I'm going to, fingers crossed, I'm going to see if I can squeeze this in and edit it. But most likely Monday's episode will be out Tuesday just because I'm not getting back until late Sunday. So I won't have time to literally put it out on Monday, but it'll be out on Tuesday. Don't you worry, okay? And I'm going to be out of pocket a lot this weekend, but I'll still check in on Instagram, take pictures, and, you know, I'll do all of the things. I'm not going to BravoCon, just so y'all know. I'm not. I just, ugh, I didn't have interest. I don't know. I For what it cost, and I don't know, I just, I was, when the tickets came out, I wasn't really liking any programming on bravo <laughs> so i was like why am i going to this i don't i don't know maybe next time maybe you know what when i get to the point where somebody send me free tickets that's when the hell i go to bravo con i ain't paying for no goddamn tickets you fuckers anyway you guys have a great weekend love them see ya hey. oh wow That's at Reality Comics 2, T-O-O. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya!